Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. All right, question. Have you ever been a victim of road rage? All right, so now I didn't ask about perpetrators. I'm asking, have you been a victim? You're driving along, and, and all of a sudden, someone's pulling up right up, you know, kind of like you look over, and they flip you off, or they raise their hands up, or they're trying to talk to you, and you're like, what is going on? What did I do? And you're oblivious. That's why they're angry. No, but any, you know, you're like, what did I do? Uh, or, or what about this one? Uh, someone like, they're trying to get your attention, they're angry at you, they're flipping you off, all this kind of stuff, and then, and then they're, they try to zoom in front of you, and anybody who ever zooms in front of you, what's the next thing they do immediately after they get in front of you? They slam on their brakes. And anytime that happens, I'm always like, game on. And always wishing I had an old beater vehicle that I could just plow right into them. <laughs> I know some of us here aren't just victims of road rage. There's some of us. We are perpetrators of road rage. I'm thinking of one individual who I've talked to before who uh, I hope your road rage is coming along. And you're a little better than it used to be. In fact, I imagine I'll get the text uh, very shortly here as my phone will start to light up. But I really do hope you're doing a lot better than that. Now, here's what's so horrible about road rage. Well, there's a lot of things that are horrible about it. But one of the things that's horrible is that um, it's, uh, you're, you have this rage against somebody you don't even know. I mean, it's a random stranger. Now, I found this interesting. According to one study, people who customize their cars with stickers and other adornments are more prone to road rage. And so right now, Pastor Derek is outside taking pictures of all your cars. <laughs> and we're starting an LP road rage database. So we have you marked moving forward. The study goes on to say that, that it's, not, it's not what the stickers are, it's only the number of stickers that determines or predicts road rage. So my suggestion to you is the next time you're out on the road and you see someone with a whole lot of stickers, stay away from them because something's coming your way. Now, while some of us have experienced or, or, you know, or it's happened to us, road rage has happened to us, I think we've all experienced some level of rage or anger inside of us, right? And for those of us, some of us say, no, 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 I don't get angry. I'm not a person who gets angry. You say, no, I, I don't have rage. I don't have anger. I, I just have frustration. I don't get angry. I never get angry. I just get frustrated because we're like, oh, that sounds more polite. It's not as bad as anger. I just feel like there's something wrong out there, and I'm just responding in here. But it's not me. I'm not the source. What's out there? That's what's frustrating me in here, but I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Here's the reality. Frustration and anger, they're the same thing. Don't try to kid yourselves. We've been in the series uh, called Who's in Charge? And we've been talking about our various, um, some of the various emotions that we can have, anger being one of them. And whenever our emotions take over, whenever they take control, they have the potential to ruin or destroy us, but also our relationships. And then we end up, if we end up finding ourselves at odds with other people, God tells us, then you're at odds with me. You're at odds with God when we're at odds with other people who God has called us to love. 
Jesus said this, our emotions, there's something that comes from within. They come from our heart. But we're tempted to say, no, 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 no. It doesn't come from me. It comes from out there. It comes from them. I'm just responding to them. Jesus says, no, no, no. It comes from inside of us. It comes from within. So Jesus is inviting every single one of us, not just to monitor our behavior, which we can get pretty good at that, but to monitor our hearts. Because when our emotions take over or can take control or they well up inside of us, then we find ourselves in circumstances and situations where we've destroyed or are destroying ourselves and those around us. And so today we're talking about the emotion, as you already imagine, of anger. Now, I don't think there's anybody here who wants anger to be in charge of them. I don't think anybody here wants anger to be the boss of them. And nobody wants the anger to be in charge of somebody that they love. Especially because every one of us, at some point, we've been on the receiving end of somebody's anger or rage or frustration. Now, Anger isn't always something that's, you know, overt and obvious and extroverted, so to speak. There's also the type of anger where you never raise your voice. You don't lose your temper, but it comes out in different ways. It might come out in your moodiness. It might come out in silence, you know, where you stonewall. And that silence is actually deafening and intimidating and sometimes even controlling. So whether you shove it down or whether you shut other people down. Anger is not something that any of us wants to be in charge of us. Now, there is of course a good type of anger, a righteous anger, a crusader anger, so to speak, as one author calls it, a, a holy discontent. And this type of anger specifically, it stirs people, it stirs them to action, and they crusade against evil or injustice, or, or disease in the world, or against policies that might go against God's word, or, or the, the holiness of God. And somebody gets angry, and they say, I'm going to do something about what's going on, and I want to bring about change. And we've seen that over the years, over the centuries, and it's led to great things even here in the United States, like the civil rights movement, or women's suffrage, or, or child labor laws, or abolishing slavery, whatever it may be. Righteous, crusader-type anger, as long as it doesn't lead to sin, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, that stands in contrast to the type of anger we're specifically talking about today. That's a whole other topic. We don't have time to get into that today. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about anger from one unique perspective. And it's a perspective that as we talk about this, as we look at James, what James is going to tell us, I want to encourage you right now, turn to James chapter 3. If you have a physical Bible, go there, James 3. We're going to be in James 3, James 4, or on your phone to the version Bible app. And James is going to tell us something here, and we're going to look at this idea, this concept, this principle. And some of us are going to be tempted to push back and say, it's not that easy. But I'm telling you, no matter who you are, young, old, single, married, whoever you are, if we will take this and embrace this principle that James is going to give us, it will do more for you to keep anger out of your life so that anger isn't in charge, that anger isn't the boss of you, than anything else that you can do. So James chapter 3. James is going to ask a couple of questions of us today. And the first one is this. In verse 13, 
James chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Say the word wise. Who is wise among you? Who, what is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? Well, a wise person has insight, right? A wise person understands something and then they can apply that knowledge. And a wise person understands life is connected. That what happens and what you do in the past impacts the present. That what you do in the present impacts the future. That it's all connected as we're going to see in these verses. So James says, okay, so you think you're wise. So you think that you're insightful. You, you think you have understanding. You think you know how to keep things in perspective. He says, if that's you, I want to challenge you. He says, verse 13, he says, then show that by your good life. By deeds done in humility. Say humility. humility. Deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. You see, wise people are humble people. Think about it. Because arrogance doesn't make sense. Arrogance is irrational. Arrogance flies in the face of everything we know about people and the way society works. And so James says, if you're wise then let your wisdom show by how you live your life. There'll be humility. There'll be a good life that's full of good deeds because wisdom always leads to humility. James says, here's the opposite of that. Verse 14, James chapter 3. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, in other words, if you allow envy to dock, if you allow selfish ambition to dock or to harbor in your heart, to take up residence in your heart, to get lodged in your heart, if you allow that, that's not going to be good. That's not going to be, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be a problem for you and it's going to be a problem for others. So he says, if that's the case and that's you, he says, man, don't boast about it or deny the truth. James is telling you and I, if you and I harbor bitter envy, that's wanting what I don't have. Selfish ambition, that's all about me and, and, and getting what I, and making the world all about myself. He says, if you allow that stuff to take up residence, to harbor or to dock in your heart, if that becomes the filter through which you live your life, through which you engage with other people in relationships, how you live your life, how you work, how, how, how you live with integrity or a lack of integrity. If you allow selfish ambition and envy to harbor, to take up residence in your heart, he says, don't boast about it. Don't, don't deny the truth. Don't get stuck there. Don't pretend that that's a good thing. Because if that's you, you're denying the truth. And then he tells us, James chapter 3, verse 16, for where you have envy, and selfish ambition, wherever this stuff gets lodged in your heart, James says where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. This is interesting because this is James's way of saying what Jesus was t telling us the last couple of weeks, is that's what is inside of you, that will eventually come out of you. What's in there, you can monitor your behavior as much as, you, as try as you will, but eventually, What's in will come out. So James says, whenever there is a lack of humility, when that arrogance gets lodged in your heart, eventually there will be disorder. Eventually there will be every evil practice. Because people who allow that to get lodged in their heart, they can justify just about anything. They can justify just about any behavior, just about any actions. 
What's inside of us will eventually come out. And then James is going to tell us now something. He's going to tell us, how do we deal with the anger? How do we keep anger from lodging in our heart, from taking up residence, to har- you know, allowing it to be a harbor uh, uh, for our heart? And he's going to launch into this part of the discussion with another question. So now go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And he's going to start in verse 1, and he's going to ask us the next question. First he says, who's wise and understanding? Be humble. Recognize envy, selfish ambition. That man, if that's you and you let that take harbor, you're just denying the truth. Here's the next question in this conversation. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Where does all the hostility come from? What causes it? What causes the fights? What causes your issues, your conflicts? What is the root cause? And our response to James is, James, that's a kind of a silly question. It's not a what that causes fights or quarrels or arguments or issues. It's a who. It's not a what, it's a who. You know, it's my mom, even though I'm an adult, every time we talk, I feel judged. It's my dad, he's always doing this. It's my brother-in-law, every time they come over, they're complaining about my yard and I should do it this way. It's not a what, it's a who. It's my ninth grade son who just thinks he or she, or he thinks he knows it all. My daughter, she thinks she knows it all. It's my boss. It's my manager at work. They're just so, and they just grind on me. I say that my problem, James, is a who. James says no. It's a what. And as long as you think it's a who, as long as I think it's a who, we're never going to get to the real root cause. The real what. He says, what causes the fights and quarrels and the arguments? What causes it? What's the source? Verse 1, he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Say the word within. Within you. Don't they come from the desires that are inside of you? He says, see, fights Quarrels, arguments, all of that comes from our desires that are battling inside of us. To which we say, no, 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 they don't. If you met my boss, you'd understand the source of my quarrels. If you met my spouse, if you knew what my spouse did or does, you would, uh, you would see my perspective. And James like, nope. No, the real source of that fighting and the struggles and the corals, the real source of that is something that's going on right here, inside of me and inside of you. As long as you think, as long as I think, as long as we think that the source is out there, we're actually never going to deal with it. And anger will always have the opportunity to take up residence and harbor in our hearts and dock in our heart until we recognize that the real source is something ugly and dangerous in here. And I'm telling you, when we get this principle, when we begin to understand this principle and and really accept the truth of God's word, it's life changing. It's relationship changing. And I'll tell you this, it's relationship healing. So let's read James chapter four, verse one again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? Say within within you. Don't, isn't that where they come from? And James' answer is yes, every single time. Because the reason we fight, the reason we quarrel, the reason we're angry 
is because there's something that we want that we're not getting. It's within. It's something that I want. It's something that you want that you're not getting. I want respect, and I'm not getting it. I've asked them, I've told them, you need to do this, you need need to clean your room, you need to take care of this, and and I've asked you 50 times and you're not doing that. I'm not getting what I want, so I'm angry. I've asked you to come home on time, we have plans, we have schedule, I've asked you 10 times, 20 times, 100 times, and you're not doing that. I'm not getting what I want, I want you home on time, so I'm angry. I want somebody to give me a fair shot. I came up with the idea, I want to be recognized. I'm upset, I'm angry that nobody hears me. And in fact, if someone did hear me and they heard my story, they say, wow, you're, you're right. I'm not getting what I want. And so I'm angry. The root of our anger, it's not out there. It's right here. It's inside of us. We're not getting what we want. Wait, 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 pastor, you don't understand. But I earned it. You're right. You did earn it. You're not getting what you want. But they promised, and they didn't keep their promise. You're right, they didn't. You're not getting what you want. I I get it, and so you're angry. Yeah, but if you heard my story and you understood what I was going through, you would understand it's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. You're not getting what you want, and so you're angry. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, when we begin to understand this, when we begin to see this, and when we can begin to pause in those moments of, of anger that might even lead to rage or, or frustration, whatever word you want to use, when that starts welling up and rising up inside of us, if we can pause in that moment and, and recognize, you know what the problem is, or at least part of the problem. Part of the problem is not out there. It's right here. It's in here. It's me. I'm not getting what I want. When you realize this, and when we figure this out, it's incredibly liberating. And it will lead us down the road where anger no longer has to be in charge of us. At the source, at the root of every single argument and quarrel that we have, the root of our anger, it's not out there. It's in here. Because I'm not getting what I want. When you embrace this, you embrace your slice of maybe an argument pie, the temperature goes down. There's an opportunity to move forward in that circumstance, that situation, whatever it may be, and anger will no longer have to be in charge of you. Now, James is going to go on because he knows we're not going to get this, just hearing it once. So he wants to give us another example, another illustration to kind of help it stick. And so he goes on in James chapter 4, verse 2, and he says this, you desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. In other words, If we don't recognize that the source, that the root of the anger is in here and not out there, if we don't recognize that, we have the potential to take it to a destructive extreme. As long as you think it's them, as long as I think it's them, I'll feel like I have an excuse not to control myself and to control my actions and behavior. I think about this. How can anybody justify murder? How does somebody get to that point. Well, James say, well, they blame other people, not themselves. And James is saying that destructive extreme, which James is just illustrating here, which is murder, he says it's a result of what's going on on the inside. 
to think that you or I don't have inside of us something that would lead us to an unhealthy extreme. James says we miss it. Don't deceive ourselves. Be humble enough to recognize, oh my goodness, there's something that resides in me. And it's not good. If that comes up and creeps up and, and stays in my heart, I could end up doing something that I regret. I could destroy a relationship. I could destroy a person. I could destroy myself. And when we get to that point, to understand this, and it causes us to pause and to slow down and not to allow that anger and envy uh, to take residence or take up harbor in our hearts. Back to James chapter 3, verse 1, that's when we're wise in understanding. He wraps this section up and says, James chapter 4, verse 2, you're envious and you cannot obtain. And so you fight and quarrel. See the picture here? You want a break. You're not getting the break. Everybody got theirs, but you're not getting yours. Everybody got in, but you haven't got in yet. Everybody drives one of those, but you don't get to drive one of those yet. Everybody else has, fill in the blank. Everybody else has got that. Everybody else has that. I don't have it yet. That's called envy, by the way. That's, you can't get what you want. That's what envy is. His words, you cannot obtain. You can't get what you want. You can't get that approval. You can't get that acceptance. Just fill in the blank. Whatever it is, you can't get it. And so you get angry, and you fight, and you quarrel. His point is, the source is not out there. Source is in here. We're not getting what we want. We're not getting what we deserve. We're not getting what was promised to us. We're not getting what's fair and right. Now, just to kind of put a little parentheses in this and maybe save you an email and me reading an email. <laughs> Let me just throw this out there. Of course, of course, of course, there are circumstances out there that would call us to be angry, that would upset us. Of course, being, you know, treated unfairly. Of course, promises not being kept. Of, of course, all that. That's a part of this topic that we're not even getting into. That's a whole nother Sunday or month, but in the middle of whatever you are going through, in the middle of that conversation, that challenge, that difficulty, James says the wise person, the mature person, they pause and they say, part of the problem, it may not be the whole problem, it might even be mostly them, but part of the problem is me not getting what I want. And if I can own that, if you can own that slice of the argument pie, the temperature goes down and anger and rage and frustration doesn't have to be in charge of you. And so then you can actually handle that situation, that circumstance in a good and godly way so that in your anger, you won't sin. So the next time that there's conflict, the next time you have an issue, even, in fact, even if the other person doesn't know anything about it and it's just all inside of you, like you're just angry, like, you know, like you're just an angry person. The next time that kind of wells up inside of you, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to make a statement. And we're going to actually say it out loud in a few minutes together. But I want to encourage you to say this. I think, I believe it will help us so that anger doesn't have to be in charge of us. And I want you to say it out loud. So here's the, here's the statement. And, and, and it's very simple. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. 
You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. You're in a circumstance, you're in a situation, and, and you're saying, it's, not, it's unfair. You're right, it may be unfair. It's unjust. You're right, it may be unjust. They broke a promise they, they might have. They broke a vow. But anger, you're not in charge of me. I'm a person of wisdom. I'm a person of understanding, and I'm not arrogant. I'm not going to allow envy and, and anger and selfish ambition and what I want. I'm not going to allow that to take harbor, take root, and, 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 you know, and dock in my heart. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to own my slice of this argument pie, and I'm going to handle the circumstance and the situation in a healthy, in a good, and godly manner. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. So we're going to say that out loud together, okay? We're going to try that. Now, I know we never say this many words all at once. So I know there's going to be a lot of mumbling. So let's try to use my cadence to at least kind of help it a little bit. So you know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Okay, you guys ready? One, two, three. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Let's try it one more time. That was pretty good. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Turn to the person next to you and try it. Seriously, do it right there. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. You're getting ready to, you're in the beginning parts of what's going to be an ugly conversation. And if you pause and say, time out, you know what part of the problem is here, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Because I can promise you, you've never said that. You just haven't. That's going to diffuse it. There might be some chuckles. That might end the conversation. And it doesn't have to allow anger to be in charge. Because you recognize in that midst, in, those, in the midst of that, I'm part of the issue here. And I encourage you, write this down, put it down, put it on your phones, put it everywhere, send an email to yourself, put it in your notes, put it on your, in your car, put it wherever you need to. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. And this will help so that anger doesn't have to be in charge of you. So I want to ask you this question. What is your relationship with anger? Is there a harbor in your heart? Is there an anchor in your heart? How often is anger in charge of you? Maybe a better approach is rather than me ask you is to ask your best friend, to ask your spouse, to ask your parent, to ask your boss, your employer, your employees. How often is anger in charge of you? What's your relationship with anger? Is there something, a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, a concept, an idea where anger wells up and rears its ugly head? I was thinking about, I remember I told you guys a while ago that, uh, that uh, I got issues. I'm angry. I got issues with cats coming into my yard. And I mentioned that to you, and I've preached the sermon now twice, and you know what? I still have anger issues. Get your stinking cats out of my yard. That may, I mean, I'm not, I joke around, man. I, that makes me so angry. That is like, how about I come do that in your yard? 
What's the, what's the difference? Seriously, what's the difference? I'm getting going here. This isn't good. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. I don't want your poop in my yard. When you feel it rising up, be humble enough to say, anger, you are not in charge. You're not in charge. Anger, I'm on to you. I know what's going on here. Because anger, I realize I want something that I'm not getting. Anger, you're not in charge. I'm going to own my peace, and I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to respond in a good and godly and healthy way. That's God's encouragement to all of us. I think about Philippians chapter 2. And it's an incredible passage where Jesus, he's the best example of, of not getting what he deserved. And I'll close with this. He, it's a very interesting passage. It says this in verse 6. It says, who, meaning Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. On multiple occasions, Jesus didn't get what he wanted or what he deserved. Verse 7, it says, rather, he made himself nothing. That's humility. By taking on the very nature of a servant. That's the humility. Verse 8 goes on and says, he became like one of us as a human. He humbled himself. Now, why did Paul even write that? Well, he wrote that because he set the context of it in verse 5. And here was the context of Jesus and his humility. He said this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So in your relationships, be others-centered, not self-centered. Verse 8 said he took the nature of a, of a human being. He served us rather than being served. And he died the ultimate hum uh, death of, of humility, if you will. It was, it was, it was, it was awful. It was humiliating. He died on a cross so that we could live. And so Jesus invites every single one of us, move away, move away, move away from self-centeredness and move towards others-centeredness. Humility. That's the person who is wise and understanding. So one more time, you know what problem the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Will you recognize that? Will you allow God to help you move away from worrying about what you want to being like Jesus and thinking about others and serving others and being other-centered? God invites every single one of us to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we know, we understand this topic of anger. It's huge, it's big, God, so often anger rears its head in our lives. And God, I have found myself in the midst of circumstances and moments doing and saying things that I'm regretting as I'm doing it and saying it. And I'm hurting others in those moments. And God, I just failed to realize the problem was me. It wasn't them. It wasn't the circumstances. I, I just wasn't getting what I wanted. So I allowed anger to take root, to harbor in my heart. God, would you hear each of our prayers right now as we come before you humbly, because we don't want that, God. 
We want to be other-centered. We want to set aside our arrogance. We want to be humble. So I want to invite every single person right now, you and God, have a conversation. Tell God the part of your life where anger has taken root, where it's docked. There's a harbor in your heart. What is it? What area? What circumstance? What environment? What person? What policy? What is it where anger has taken over and it's impacted you in a destructive way and it's impacted those around you? Will you tell God that right now? Just you and him. He already knows it, but he wants you to admit it. Say something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you now and I'm angry about this. And God, as I bring this to you, I realize, never realized it before, but it was something that I wanted. And it might even, God help me, because it might even be just, it might even be right, it might even be something I deserve. It's not fair. But I'm realizing, God, right now, it's, it's something that I want, and I'm not getting it. So God, help me to be other-centered, to be humble, and to be more like Christ in this area of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. God, you hear these prayers. God, raise up more and more people who have the in our relationships have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.